This is the Ned Group Investments Podcast, a space where you can learn more about our fund managers, the funds they manage, as well as getting up-to-date and important developments affecting the investment world and how they might be relevant to you. Good morning and welcome to today's edition of Investment Insights. I am Ahini Naidu, Investment Analyst at Ned Group Investments, and it's my pleasure today to welcome Omri Thomas, Lead Portfolio Manager of the Ned Group Investments Opportunity Fund. Omri will be talking to us today about recent performance and the drive, some of the drivers of that performance, as well as share his insights into his thinking around the risk reward proposition of the various asset classes and how this impacts the fund's positioning and the ability to deliver on its objectives through a full market cycle. At the end of this presentation, we'll have a few minutes for Q&A. Please submit your questions in the Q&A panel on the right side of your screen if you're in Teams, and we'll try to get through as many of these as possible before the end of the presentation. So without further ado, I'll now hand you over to Omri. Omri, welcome. Thank you, Henry. Good morning, everyone. Nice to chat to you again. It's amazing what the uh, can change in four or six months, I think back to the talk we had in, in, in March, and I think if we look back, very few, us, few of us would have guessed that the markets, especially the US market, would hit a new all-time high. So putting that aside, maybe just looking at the performance over the last uh, three to six months, as you know, we had a very tough start to the year, specifically on the back of the pain that we took on, 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 on Cecil, um, I'm pleased to say the last six months, you can see relative to the CISA, the medium equity balance average, we've had a very nice performance and a comeback in performance, but there's a long way to go. Our one-year, three-year number still way below what we, where we would want it to be. That performance, to put it into context, wasn't achieved by just adding on a lot of risk and getting beta from the market. Our average equity weighting was actually reasonably conservative throughout this period. So a lot of those instruments that we usually talk to, the hybrid instruments, those asymmetric return instruments actually uh, delivered. So if we look at where those where uh, the performance came from, and we look at the last three months and the last year, what's pleasing to see is you'll see that King the convertible bond, that hybrid, was our top contributor over three months. And if you look at that 12 month number, the Impala convertible bond also in there. So both those are those hybrid instruments that that have contributed. The ABEX Global Equity Fund is what we use for some of our offshore equity exposure. Uh, That fund's done particularly well over the last five years. The fund has outperformed the MECI by over 2% per annum. And last year was especially a strong year, so it contributed very nicely to, to our returns. One of our long-term favorites, NASPERS, uh, you'll see in the top five on, on both three months and, and, and 12 months. And then our offshore exposure also, in general, adding another percent of performance over the last 12 months. If we look at the, over the last, uh, on the losing side, Sassol, the the negative performance a lot less as Sassol is is recovered. So we also did some nice trading on Sassol, hence that the negative impact being diluted. 
But what you'll see over the last year, especially two of our top five negative contributors were actually banks. And I've got a few slides specifically on banks just to tell you or show you why we think it's one shouldn't give up hope on, on banks. A small company also in the top five on over a year, the Ethos Private Equity, so Ethos Capital, the listed private equity fund. Unfortunately, they bought the Bright private equity portfolio with quite ill timing just before COVID hit. And as you know, the biggest asset within Bright is the Virgin Active group of gyms. So what initially looked like a fantastic deal and a very good price quickly turned sour as uh, the Virgin really got hit by, by COVID. We, we still back management. They've done a, a, a lot of good things already in the restructuring of the portfolio. I think still still very positive on, on, on ethos. And um, so uh, we still think long term, a lot of value to be unlocked there. It's still it's trading at a substantial discount to net asset value. And we think some of that will be unlocked. Just in terms of our assessment of the fair values of the different asset classes, you'll see that almost all South African asset classes we see in the G market, whether it's equities, bonds, property, hybrids, or, or cash. And that's compared to developed market equities, which we think is fair, other than the US equities, which we see as expensive. And some commodities we still see as reasonable and an expensive sort of any developed market credit related instrument, whether it's bonds, credit, cash, and then US equities. Obviously, we're not immune to what happens in the US. So I think one of the big risks is the US election. You've got quite a difficult choice between two, I'd say, not the most exciting prospects of, of world leaders, but I think it could result in a bit of volatility in, in markets. If you look at our asset allocation, and I've just highlighted the changes since, since June. So you would see that we've actually reduced our equity exposure quite substantially into, into this run-up. So the, the portfolio is a bit more defensively positioned. We've uh, increased our bond exposure, mostly to inflation-linked bonds. As I said, we don't both globally and locally. In, uh, in local terms, also inflation-linked bonds, our bond duration is still uh, quite low as uh, we continue to be worried about the fiscal position of South Africa. SA property uh, down slightly, mostly due to the market continuing to, to punish property. And there are select opportunities in, in property. The, the property companies have delayed paying dividends, and some of these companies on normalized dividend yields are now looking very attractive. So that is an area where we are doing a bit of work and where we bought a few more counters. Uh, convertible and prefs, you'll see it's down slightly. We've completely sold out of our Impala convertible bond as that bond really became Impala equity. But the, the exciting part still there is the Roba King convertible bond, which is now through the strike price. And we think one of the most attractive assets in the platinum space. They've just been through the capital program of Steldrift. Uh, they've got adjacent mines to Subanya Stillwater and Impet. So a very good take out over target and in the meantime generating quite quite good cash so we despite it running so much we've retained our position there um, but we have sold out the royal buffer king equity 
the pure equity that we also held in addition. That's also re-rated from sort of 30, uh, cities, the low 30s to over 60 rand. So we've doubled our money there and we sold out of the, the equity. You will see that the sold down in equities was mostly kept in cash. So it gives us a bit of firepower should the opportunities emerge and also provides a bit more defensive quality to the fund at this point in time. Offshore bonds, again, as I said, mostly into inflation-linked bonds. We haven't, we don't own any or very little developed market bonds. We've got a bit of two-year U.S. Treasury, treasuries, which so very short duration there. And then offshore cash sitting at five percent again, just uh, providing us with a bit of dry powder should opportunities emerge. And offshore property very little. Just looking at our top ten equities, you'll see. It's quite widely diversified and you'll see there's been quite a change. Naspers used to be our top position. And as you know, we've had these structures on our big positions to, 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 to guard against a big sell-off. And that enabled us to hold a lot of Naspers and that structure worked very well. So the Naspers kept on performing and it actually went through that level where, where we sold. So we um, sold quite a bit of that NASPERS towards the end of September. We're still positive on it, but I'll maybe speak a bit more about it a bit later. You'll see that the banks actually at the end of September, four of our top 10 were banking shares, APSA, Standard Bank, First Brand, as well as Capitec Bank. The Capitec Banks we got through the unbundling that happened out of PSG. We did very well out of that uh, unbundling and that value unlock. Subsequently, we've actually sold, subsequent to the September month end, we've actually sold all our Capitex and switched some of it back into PSG as that discount remains very wide. In terms of offshore exposure, our offshore exposure is uh, on the equity side is through the Eurostox investment notes. That's now about 4% of the fund, still offering us a very attractive risk return profile. So happy to, to, to uh, retain that. And the ABEX Global Equity, we've actually sold a bit of our ABEX Global Equity exposure currently sitting at about 6%. Our total currency exposure is, is actually is over 30%, currently at 33%, mostly due to a rand dollar weakness over this period. So at a point in time, we will have to bring some of that currency back, but as I said earlier, we are a bit concerned about the fiscal position of South Africa, and we also this latest postponement of the of the budget also not uh, the greatest sign. So we we a bit nervous about where the rand is. So we will look at more opportune times to to bring back the the currency. Looking at our top position, British American Tobacco, the dark green line shows the 12-month uh, dividends. What's amazing about this company, they've got a pro progressive dividend yield, uh, dividend policy, and they pay their dividends every quarter. And so beforehand, you know what the next four quarters dividends are going to be. And you can see dividends just increasing, the light green line, the dividend yield, BTI at a dividend yield of about 8%, at a PE of uh, 8 So we had a low exposure in end of 2016, beginning of 2017, into this weakness, we've increased it now to, to be our, our top position. And we think it's a, it's, it's a great long-term value creation opportunity. 
just looking at banks, as I said, I've got quite a bit of banking exposure in opportunity. The left-hand side is the banks versus the all share. And you can see we're back to the 07, 08 global financial crisis levels in banks relative to the all share. The banks index in itself has halved from its, uh, more than halved from its top in, in 2018. So a very low level. So if you look at it on other, other measures, this is looking at it on a price to book ratio for the big four banks where they were trading at about 100% premium to book, now trading at a discount to book. And on the right hand side is the individual share. So outside first hand, which is still trading at a slight premium, uh, all these banks now are trading at, at discounts to book. Now, you must take into account that that book value is also after in the later set of results, they've provided quite significantly for, for bad debt. So we would argue that that book value is fairly conservative and the banks have used this COVID crisis to really clean the decks. So they've also not been allowed to pay dividends. Those dividends have, have been added to the capital. So the capital structure very strong. And we think there's a good chance that you could see special dividends coming from, from banks as they allow to, um, to start paying dividends again. So just a, an insight, when we spoke to, to first rent management, uh, I saw them about a month ago, the CEO said that that amount that was going to be paid as dividend, they've actually put aside. And they've told management that's not part of capital. So that seems to me that they are viewing that as a share of the money and we could see that coming back. So when will that happen? It's difficult to say. We take our cue from the offshore banking regulators. So I, I think as UK, probably Europe will open up first and say, okay, banks, you can start paying dividends again. The UK will then follow and we'll probably follow the UK queue. So it's, it's difficult to say, but I think in, there's a good likelihood that for the December results, we could see dividends uh, flowing from banks again. This is just on a, on a, on a PE basis. You look at the forward, forward PE in the dark green line at eight and a half times for the big four banks. And that you must take into account that that PE, the long-term average is about 10, but at eight and a half P is on quite depressed earnings as, as earnings have been hit with, with COVID provisions. So you're buying it at a reasonably low price earnings ratio on quite depressed earnings. So we would expect earnings growth of anything up uh, of between 15 and 20% uh, from the banking index over the next four years. So from these levels uh, with the dividend, the normalized dividend yields, a low valuation, on a PE basis, low valuation on a price to book basis, even with our poor prognosis on the South African economic outlook, we think it's more more than reflected in the valuations in, in banks and see that as, a, as an opportunity. This is just the capital levels of, of banks and you can see how that's increased over the last two decades. The banks quite well capitalized, which offers them a buffer should there be more volatile economic volatility in South Africa. So in summary, while global markets look expensive, we think SA still offers selective value. The banks are multi-year lows, as I've tried to show. SA hybrids, specifically the Royal Buffer King convertible, still often offers attractive risk return power profile. In the, in the hybrids, we've also got the PSG preference share, which is offering a dividend yield 
of over 10 percent and then additional one where we've started to fish a bit is investment holding companies where and that, that would be the likes of a Remgrow, I guess you can call Naspers an investment holding company, Raynet, Ethos Capital, a lot of these investment holding companies trading at PSG, I'll put in that bucket as well, trading at, at record discounts to their net asset value. And I mean, with the portfolio of assets also having been under pressure, you're buying a basket of assets at quite a deep uh, discount, which is which we think is also attractive. We have max FX exposure, and we will look to to bring that back if the, if the rand weakens. Our investment note basket is smaller, but still offers a attractive risk return potential. As I said, we cautious on the domestic outlook. Our bond duration low. We've added inflation in bonds. And so at the moment, we're quite comfortable that our portfolio offers a good mix of growth and yielding assets, giving us an attractive risk return uh, payoff profile. With that, I'll uh, stop there and, and maybe open it up for, for questions. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Can you give us some insights into what the rationale for that was? And are you no longer as positive as you were previously on this on this holding? Having some technical issues. Okay, there you go. Please. There um, we go. Thank you. Mo, it's a, it's a great question. I think I alluded to it uh, somewhere in, in the presentation. So uh, as you rightly say, that's been one of our top positions and one of our favorite positions for a very long time. And because of the size, we had that hedge structure over it uh, to protect against the fall. To pay for that hedge structure, we had uh, sold some of the upside away. Now, NASPERS done so well that in September, so that worked fantastically well, and that's why it was in our top five over both, well, three months, six months, one year, three years, any term you can, and NASPERS was there. You know, it's not we're starting to have increased our cash, but we remain positive on NASPERS. And I'm actually just looking for an opportunity to, to increase the thing again. Uh, I think you will find that in six months it will be one of the top three positions again. And I will probably uh, again in, include a hedge over the NASPERS uh, structure. So it's more, more timing. We've only recently sold. We'd look to reestablish that. Position. Okay, great. And Sassol, Sassol's been also on, has also been one of the pressure points in the portfolio, not so much recently. Compared to, I don't know, six months to a year ago, say, where you're still quite positive on the on the potential for Lake Charles to add value, and given what's happened happened subsequently with the sale of 50% of that position, how has this impacted your investment thesis on Sassol? Yeah, so a couple of things have happened with Sassel uh, Mo. One is the share prices recovered from well, at the 20s, 30s, uh, at a point above. So we bought a few more Sassels at the lows, tactically sold that again at the high level. So that's worked well. 
And we also sold a few additional shares above 150 Rand a share. So as you rightly point out, Sassel now below 2%. The sale of part of the Lake Charles assets is, is great from risk management from a balance sheet perspective, but it was the one of the more attractive assets in the Sassel portfolio. So long-term, not for us the best move, but we can understand why management's been forced to sell that. I mean, to give you an indication, when the party that bought the, the, the stake in Lake Charles announced the deal, their share price went up by 7% on the day, showing what a good price they, they got the Lake Charles at. So, Sassol not in the best position to negotiate the, the best price either. So, from here, we think it's the risk reward is more balanced. Our positive outlook on, on Sassol has definitely been diluted. And I think if it gets back to 150 Rand a share, we will look at selling a few more. So probably more in a sort of trading range now than a real deep value opportunity like what it was uh, at the, the tips. Okay, thanks, Ari. And you did mention also that you had been trading that position quite actively through the volatility. Okay, quite a few questions coming through around your equity exposure. So on your fair value slide, you had South African equity as being in the cheap end of the bucket. But if we look at June to September quarter and quarter, your equity position has reduced by about 10%. And I suspect that's largely a function of NASPERS. But at the same time, your cash position has gone up quite a bit as well. Can you perhaps comment on that given that with the very low very interest rate and, and you are, and you are um, finding South Africa to be cheap, but lowering your exposure? Yeah, uh, thanks Mo. We, uh, I think you, you, you've alluded to it. Part of it is due to the NASPERS selling towards the end of September. So we are redeploying that cash back into the market. So our equity level is probably a bit lower than where we would like it to. We are concerned about, even though we're positive on the SA market, we are a bit concerned about where global markets are. And we are not immune to what happens in global markets. If, if we do see a bit of a sell-off in the US or a bit of volatility there, it will influence our market as well. So I think one will get decent opportunities to, to increase the equity exposure. So happy to run with a bit higher cash at this point in time. On a relative basis, we're still getting a reasonable real return on, on cash relative to inflation and to and to global uh, interest rates. So, but I I have been adding and, and will look at to add further to equities into, into weakness. Thanks, Henri. And on the listed property side, you again mentioned last quarter you would look to selectively and opportunistically increase your exposure there. But it, again, it looks like it's decreased. Is that a function of market movement or have you actually reduced some of your exposure there? And then following on from that, we've had a question around Depula. What your investment thesis around Depula is? Okay. So most most of that uh, reduction is due to the other asset classes doing well and property not keeping up and actually in some cases falling. So we haven't actively sold. I mean, we sold a bit of Amazon, the, the little bit that we had. So we've, other than that, we've actually been net buyers of property. So on the pull up, we own the A units, which have got preferential right on distributions. The, the net asset value of the Pula 
for the company as a whole is close to 20 Rand a share. And if you add that the pool are A and B units, it's trading at six Rand a share. Um, so a 70% discount to net asset value, but we in the A units, which is the, I've got preferential right. So on a normalized yield basis, we think that the pool are yield is about 15% a unit. And when they start paying distributions again, the, the A units will get first bite at those distributions. So we think there's quite a, a large safety buffer and an attractive uh, potential dividend yield from the pillar. Thanks, Omri. We've got a couple of questions coming through about your offshore exposure. So you mentioned you're currently just over the 30% limit. Are you potentially looking to hedge any of that exposure out? And if not, why? So normally when we hedge our offshore exposure is when the rents are blown out. And more recently, the rents actually strengthened back from that sort of 18 rand to the dollar to the current levels of, of call it 1650-ish. We think the rand is trading quite strong relative to the poor fundamentals. So we would not be looking at hedging that at this point in time. We will look at bringing some of that currency back if, if the currency weaken, but we think the risk rewards on the RAND is stacked for a, a weakening RAND, not for a much stronger RAND at, at this point in time. When the RAND was at 18, we'd hedge quite a bit of our, our forex exposure. So th that would be the point where, where we do that, and that protected quite a lot. So those hedges really helped, but the current levels we'd be hesitant to, to hedge the currency. Thanks, Omri. We've seen this morning that Finance Minister Mboweni has asked for an extension to deliver his medium-term budget speech. Now, given the current economic climate and the level of anxiety, I think a lot of people might be reading a lot into this. Is Do you find this a concerning indicator? Is there anything in, in his that you anticipate in his speech that could that could have a detrimental effect on markets or on the flip side, actually assist in a, in a potential rally? Mo, for us, that's not the greatest announcement. I think it happened because of two things. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to make two points. The first is that you would have seen that there's a report that came out from the economic advisory panel of President Ramaphosa, where they basically indicated that the, the debt to GDP ratio will continue to, to deteriorate because they believe that we have to continue to spend to try and get us out of this hole. Now, that is quite concerning because we've been spending a lot for a long time and that hasn't really helped. It's been very ineffective spending, a lot going into, into corruption. So maybe some of that's less, but I mean, our debt to GDP ratio is already very high and they are saying it, it should go even, even higher. The, the second concern of that panel of 10, economic advisors, only two of them have really got private sector experience. So it's a very academic recommendation and we worry that there's not sufficient market and private sector participants on that panel to, to counter sort of almost socialistic outlook on, in terms of how to address econo economic growth. So for us that, that's concerning. So we think that Tito delayed the announcement of that to incorporate some of some of that into his medium-term budget. 
and also to incorporate some of the president's speech. He's speaking tomorrow night on his economic development plan into, into his budget. So both those indicate that spending is probably going to be higher than what Timberweni initially planned, which we don't see as, as, as positive. We think it, it, it could be bond negative. We think it could be rand negative. So it could actually be equity positive because some of that could be further allocations to capital and infrastructure spend. So from that point of view, you could see a bit of a maybe a rally in, in uh, infrastructure related stocks. I'm tempted to end on that positive note. <laughs> We've actually come to the end of our time, but very, very quickly, very quickly as a South African, as a portfolio manager and as a father of five, what are, what are some of the things that you're excited about and afraid about at the moment in South Africa? Oh, my, uh, my wife will be uh, very worried because she only knows about the first four, so she doesn't know about the fifth key. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think what's very worrying is that I think the, the wealth gap has, has just in, increased with this COVID pandemic. And what's really worrying, the, the people who's most in need have, have really suffered the most. Now, we've tried to, as a country, to, to soften that through the tourist payments. That is looking like it's not sustainable. At some point in time, that, that has to end. And then it's going to be really tough in terms of, of poverty. I think racial tension has increased significantly and we need to need to address that as a country that's deteriorated from a very strong feeling of unity after let's say the soccer world cup after Mandela and I think a lot of the corruption has been deflected to put the focus on racism to deflect the, the attention away from from uh, corruption which is uh, hasn't been great for, for building up the country. We've got some of the most fantastic resources and most fantastic people. So I am a glass half full person. I do still think South Africa has got a lot of potential. We've got great people and, and longer term, we will come through this. It, it does seem like President uh, Ramaphosa is starting to increase his, his grip on, on his party and on, on the country. These recent announcements arrests that were made by the NPA, I see as, as very positive. I spoke to an attorney that was, that's actually representing one of the uh, accused. And his comment was, he's in his career for the last 10, 20 years, hasn't seen such a, a detailed and comprehensive report. And and he said, it's, it, it's really like in the old days, they, they did it properly. Before the guys could get bail, all these guys said it's is uh, he thinks it's unlikely um, that his clients will will be able to get out. So for me, it it seems like it's that is starting to to get traction, which is positive. If we can get the economy going, we will see foreign uh, investment return to South Africa. So if you ask me on a five-year view, I am positive on South Africa, but we are going to see a bit more turmoil before we get there. Thanks, Omri. I think it gives us a little bit of a glimmer of hope that there is, there are some potential rainbows at the end of this very dark time.
tunnel. And I'm afraid that's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much, Omri, for joining us and for sharing your insights and your thoughts on the portfolio positioning with us. And thank you also to our clients and all of our investors for your valued support. Just a reminder that the recording of today's session will be available shortly. Please contact your business development representative if you would like access to this or if you have any further questions that we haven't been able to get to today. Please do join us again tomorrow at 10, where we will have Truffle reporting back on the Ned Group Investments Balanced Fund. Have a great day further. Thank you. Bye-bye. Negroup Collective Investments is an authorised collective investment scheme manager in terms of the Collective Investment Schemes Control Act. Negroup Investments does not provide advice on financial products and will only give you factual information. For further details on our funds and to view our terms and conditions, please visit negroupinvestments.co.za.